Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. And good afternoon and you're very welcome along to Thursday's Late Lunch. I hope you're all well, even though I suspect some of you might be a bit soggy out there. It's been some ferocious morning for the rain, although I bet the gardens are all very happy. Um, If the weather gets you down a little bit uh, today and as we face into winter, there could be a new life waiting for you. Do you know that? Where, says you? Sardinia, says me. This caught my eye in yesterday's Irish Independent in a piece written by Eleanor Sly. Listen to this. The Italian island of Sardinia has become the latest spot in Italy to offer people money to move there. The island is steeped in culture and is home to turquoise seas and white sand beaches. But many of its young people are moving away to find work. So to try and combat its dwindling rural population, Sardinia's government is now offering foreigners, that's you and I, €15,000 to relocate to its shores. Now there are some stipulations as there always are to the scheme still in all the money must go towards renovating a home in a, in a town of fewer than 3,000 inhabitants but I mean you know there's nothing wrong with that. Um, applicants must live there full time so you can't use it to, to purchase a wee holiday home and do up a holiday home on the island. But Sardinia hmm Sardinia is the second largest island in the Mediterranean, Sicily being the largest, and it is famous for its beautiful beaches and varied cuisine. And it's Italy. Like, oh, what's not to love about Italy? I mean, would that tempt you? Would it? It would certainly tempt me. And I think Ryanair, I think, fly from Dublin direct to Sardinia. So you could pop back home whenever you felt you needed to. Um, But, you know, with the rising cost of heating and all the uncertainty coming into the winter... I love dreaming about these kind of things. I love things that make me dream and think, God, maybe, even if you don't ever do it. I remember when my girls were young, which was neither today nor yesterday, there was a scheme on the Aran Islands. I'm not sure which Aran Island. I think it could have been Inishir to get people to move to Inishir families just for a year in order that they, when their kids were in junior school so that they could keep their school open, their national school open. And I remember thinking, now my, my kids were just, one of them was going into first year, so it was just the wrong uh, it was the wrong time. Uh, but otherwise, I thought, God, wouldn't that be great? A year on an island, you know, the winter storms on the island and then the summer and the springtime, you'd be living really close to nature. And we'd all have been Gaelgors at the end of it. Uh, Glauertos Gaelge. <sighs> Dreams, such are, such are things are made of. Would you lo- relocate if you could? And where would you relocate to? Do you dream of moving to some tropical island or would you prefer to relocate to somewhere within Ireland? Let us know. This is the question I have for you today. After the great work you did yesterday on the biscuits, um, this is this is another one. I want to know, where do you dream about living? Where is your other life? Even though you may never actually do it, it may always stay in your head. Let me know. Let's dream on together on this dreary day. Send me a text or a WhatsApp to 086 1800 
0818-103-658 and let me know where you dream of moving to. Okay, down to business. Dr. Sabina Brennan is a neuroscientist, a podcaster and a best-selling author and she is currently working with Hidden Hearing at the Ploughing Championships where she's giving talks on hearing loss, brain health and dementia and what links those things together. Hi Sabina, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. You're just taking me back there. I went to Sardinia on my honeymoon. Oh, there now you see. Synchronicity. Beautiful place in the world. And I also just relocated in Ireland. So you're just so topical. My God, there you go. Uh, Yeah, you've moved down the country from Dublin, if I'm not mistaken. I did, I did, I did indeed. And I highly recommend it. Do Um, but I have to say, I'm down the country today at the Ploughing Championships. <laughs> and um, I hope you have your wellies on, have you? Oh, I do. I have the wellies on. And I actually just came out here to the... I came back to the car park to just do this interview because it's quite noisy up at the uh, ploughing. There's so much going on. And it is a swamp. <laughs> is it? I've been down. I've worked down there myself. And on days like today, it is um, interesting and challenging, to say the oh, least. Oh, my goodness. I just passed a poor man. And he was trying to come out of his parking space. And the wheels were spinning. And I just waved at him. And I said, you're only digging yourself deeper. Yeah, you might as well just... Spinning the wheels. Go get someone to help you. <laughs> you need a plank as far as I can remember to get you out <laughs> Listen, we had two glorious days the first yeah. two days were incredible yeah but it's all gone south a bit today but it's ploughing weather I mean that's what happens every go. year yeah, every year it's part, it's part of the whole deal Sabina um, you are all about as I said you're a neuroscientist so you're all about uh, brain health and I yeah. know in general terms you're on a mission um, to make us all look after our brains or think about looking indeed. looking after our brains in the same way as we do our teeth so yes. what I was fascinated to hear that you're working with Hidden Hearing yes. and that there is a link between brain health um, and good brain health and hearing and a decline in hearing. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, the thing is, so um, looking after your hearing health is a great way to look after your brain health. And I'll link it in this instance to your risk for developing dementia in later life. So a lot of people think that there's nothing that you can do about a disease that occurs in later life like dementia. But the fact of the matter is that 40% of all cases of Alzheimer's disease are attributable or could be prevented if we could eliminate 12 modifiable risk factors. So there are lifestyle-based risk factors, things that we can do something about. So there are things like alcohol consumption, smoking, um, midlife high blood pressure, um, a number of cardiovascular risk factors, physical inactivity, um, midlife obesity. And that makes up 40% of all cases of Alzheimer's disease. The highest contributor at 8% of that 40% is hearing loss. Really? Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hearing loss. And it's something that is preventable. Age-related hearing loss tends to kick in about the age of 60. Yeah. And basically, really what I'm, what Hidden Hearing have asked me to do um, down here at the Ploughing Championships is to just make people aware of that link between hearing loss, brain health and the risk for dementia and to try and encourage people before they even recognise whether they have any symptoms. And the thing is, you know, hearing loss can occur so gradually, you don't really notice it yourself. 
um, that to start just getting your hearing health checked regularly, a bit like the dental health thing too, you know, yeah. just kind of go for a regular check or a bit like your blood pressure check because midlife high blood pressure also increases your risk for developing dementia. So um, to get your hearing checked regularly, even if you're having a bit of trouble with hearing, it may not be that it's actually age-related hearing loss. You could be just a bit bunged up with wax. Oh, yeah. Um, Sing it, sister. (laughs) Yeah, you could just get your wax removed. But the good news is that even if you do have hearing loss, if you wear a hearing aid, that mitigates the risk. So mitigate is kind of one of those fancy sort of scientific words that I know when I went to university as a mature, I kind of had to look it up. <laughs> but it really means it sort of eliminates the risk. In other words, if you wear the hearing aid, um, the risk diminishes. And that's really because of the way the hearing loss interacts. We're not, we, we don't fully understand why the hearing loss is such a risk factor, but we have some really solid theories around it and we've even published papers around it. It could be that the signal, the stimulus coming into your brain, your brain is being understimulated, you know, um, because of the lack of hearing, but it's also got to do with the social connection. Right, okay. Engaging socially is is, um, very stimulating for your brain and brilliant for your brain health. Also, when we tend to lose hearing, um, you know, we tend to withdraw a little bit, pull back for fear that we might answer the wrong question or mishear or we don't want to have to keep saying, what, sorry, what what did you say, what did you say? And so we withdraw and we're becoming less engaged. And unfortunately, that can pull us right back into social isolation, which is a huge risk factor for dementia. Uh, for dementia. And again, then that can go to loneliness, yeah. depression, which yeah. are risk factors. And then it can go to those unhealthy behaviours that we can engage in because we feel lonely or depressed, such as overeating, drinking too much or possibly even smoking. So it's kind of directly and indirectly that it has all those links. Yeah. But the good news is, as I said, is if, if, if you look after it, um, that's very important. And then why is it such a big deal sort of down here at the at the, the ploughing championships? Because there's also, that's the age-related hearing loss. There is the noise-induced hearing loss. Okay. And farming and other agricultural professions are one of the biggest um, risk factors for hearing loss um, because of the noisy machinery um, and even got, got the noise of animals. And, and the, the problem is a good proportion of uh, farmers and those working in agricultural professions, like 40% don't wear ear protection. Right, OK, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's kind of another message that's really important is is to wear the, the, the ear protectors. Yeah. Um, and I'd even say outside of farming, I think... We're probably all wearing um, earpods too much yeah. and listening too loud, too loudly. You know the decibel level, and that's kind of damaging our ears. Our Far- ears. Our ears. Farmers and rock stars <laughs> suffering from uh, <laughs> industrial hearing loss. Um, so, am I correct then in say in in, in kind of um, summarising what you're saying about this? Is that hearing loss happens as we get older? Anyway, we all lose some hearing as and, as you yeah. say we hit sixty and beyond. But you're saying that we shouldn't be slow because I think a lot of people just accept that that's just what happens as you get older and don't actually do anything about it. So you're saying you need to look after your hearing by either getting it tested, 
maybe investing in hearing aids if that is what is recommended because yes. that in turn will will help you to um, stay connected and will reduce the risk of getting dementia. That yes, is correct. If you don't and if you have hearing loss, you are increasing your risk of developing dementia. Yeah, I see. Um, okay. So, so it is absolutely critical that you do regularly check um, regularly check your hearing and actually the World Health Organization recommends regular check on hearing and recommends wearing um, hearing aids and, and the use of of hearing protection. Yeah. It's just people don't make, wouldn't make, you wouldn't be inclined to make a connection. No, you wouldn't. your hearing and your brain. Like, no, you, you really wouldn't. wouldn't. And there's also, there's also, sorry to cut across you, there's also yeah, yeah. a level of denial, I think, as you get older. Oh, you know, absolutely. that things are starting to happen that, you know, are very much... Yeah part of getting older and you're in denial about it. But I also think as well and I think there is a big problem and I think it's it's, there's a stigma attached to hearing loss that isn't there. See our eyesight like the thing is you know eyesight people needing reading glasses actually starts to occur about 20 years earlier. Yeah. That starts to occur at about the age of 40 and nobody has a problem Mm. wearing um glasses they just wear them because you say well I can't bloody read without them yes you know or I can't see and you just go it's a quality of life thing and I'm just going to I mightn't like it but I'm just going to do it we need to get to that stage with the hearing aids it's a quality of life thing but actually it's more than a quality of life thing it's a protect your brain thing yeah you have to um really look out for that hearing so that um, you your brain doesn't diminish in its in, in its function and it, you don't end up I wouldn't say um, I wouldn't say that I'm the only wife listening to this and is hoping my husband's listening who you know definitely has hearing loss I'm not sure it could be selective but I think it's actually genuine um, and, it and again just, it could be just wax as well yeah. I, can I give you just five little sort of tips as to, to what are um, sort of early signs yeah. that you might be having hearing issues. So yeah. trouble following conversations either directly, you know, in yeah. person or on the phone. Thinking that everybody's mumbling. Now, yeah. Oh yeah, this kid, is also familiar. Yeah. We all have a kid who mumbles. Like, I mean, but it's when you think everybody everybody's mumbling. mumbling. Yeah, it's always that, your that, fault. That's, that's I a think bit of a problem. Just to um, just to wrap up, um, Sabine, I think the point you make about staying socially connected is very important as we get older yeah. as well. Because again, I know that people think, oh, I do the crossword every day, so I'm keeping my brain active. That's no, really that's not, pointless, no. isn't it? You need to get out. Doing the crossword is a bit pointless um, unless you just enjoy it. Yes, it is not. It's not the thing that's good for your brain unless you're pushing yourself to an next level or doing it to a timer. Um, it's you know yeah. something that's good for your brain has to involve um, you know challenge and 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 learning. So no crosswords and sudokus aren't really uh, you know particularly beneficial for your brain. Um, it's got to involve challenge and learning. Things like physical exercise, social engagement, um, those kind of things are brilliant for your brain. It, it, and and um, uh, um, sleep. Sleep. and managing stress. <laughs> yeah. Those kind of things are the things you need to look after. Listen, I could talk to you all day because um, you're a very interesting woman with lots to say on various I things. I think you're very good. Thank no, no, you are. Um, listen, I wish you the best of luck down there. I know you're offering f- free checks to people so if anybody is uh, on the way to the ploughing uh, they can they can do that. I hope you stay dry and you don't get stuck in the mud and your car gets out and you get home to your lovely new home in the country safe and sound. Thank Sabrina you. Brennan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks a million. All right, take care. Thank you.
And you're welcome back to Late Lunch. This is Barbara Scully here with you. Now, my next guest is Jen Kavna and Jen calls herself the Womb Witch. Anyone who calls themselves a witch in my book has got to be interesting. I have long believed that we need to reclaim the word witch from all the negative connotations that the patriarchy have loaded upon it. Witches were wise women, intuitive women who worked with Mother Nature. So I'm really looking forward to what you have to say. Welcome to Late Lunch, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to chat with you. Exactly. Now, I get the witch bit, but we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But why womb witch tell me what that's about well womb witch really came about when i was i guess kind of sitting down and thinking about all of the different ways in in, that i work with women and i work with them around their kind of feminine power and reclaiming their cycle and kind of working with themselves and really getting to know themselves and i do that in a very natural way which is where the witch part comes in so um, yeah, it's just really working with the womb space and, and what we already have within us okay. and, you know, being able to actually go back and, and be a woman and, and really reclaim that part of ourselves. Excellent. Uh, I like I like all this. OK, so I'm actually, I know you'll be surprised to hear, well past uh, periods and yeah. all of that. Um, and it's actually one of the best things about getting older, being postmenopausal and leaving all that behind. Because I remember very clearly all the mess, the logistical issues, the pretending you mm-hmm. feel fine when you don't feel fine, the never going anywhere without a whole heap of strong painkillers. But you say it doesn't have to be like that. You say there's another way. So... What is the other way for women to manage their periods and all that goes around that? So that's exactly it. As soon as you were saying that, I was like, it doesn't have to be like that. It's a completely <laughs> different experience. And like, I would have witnessed that in my family as well. I'm watching the women ahead of me go through these things. That like, mm. it has to be a better, like there has to be a better way of doing this. And it starts with looking at the cycle and being able to work with that. So we naturally have four different stages that we go through as women every single month. Um, well, depending on how long your cycle is, but say on a monthly basis, um, I call them spring, summer, autumn, winter. They all come with their own unique um, kind of things that will happen for you, different symptoms. Um, but by having a, a really intuitive connection with your cycle and actually tracking it and allowing yourself to be um, in tune with it and recognizing when these different things are coming up for you and then implementing different dietary lifestyle changes you can make a huge difference to the outcome of your situation it does not have to be a painful experience every month it doesn't have to be a miserable experience and now especially these days with the invention of so many different options for um you know menstruation like menstrual cups for example um even the logistical side of things has become a lot easier to manage. Right. Gosh, as you're talking there, I'm getting flashbacks to when I was in secondary school being educated by the nuns who were in charge of our sex education, (laughs) which actually started with the fact that obviously contraception wasn't allowed. But in actual fact, they were teaching us about how to recognise where we were in our cycle. Um, and so that that it's funny. Now they then it then went all off into mad mad territory about contraception. <laughs> but the fact that we have because it's a bit like the natural world, isn't it? That we have you know the way we have lost touch with the natural world, with mm-hmm. biodiversity, with what's going on outside in the country and and in nature. We've also lost touch with ourselves. Um, and women are deeply connected in a way. 
alert here, feminist alert here, in a way that men aren't because we're connected. Our cycles are, are connected with Mother Nature through our connection with the moon um, and the fact that our cycles mimic the cycles of the moon. So, you know, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, that we should be more in touch with our with, with what our body is at at any particular time. Absolutely. But you also think of the fact that like our purpose here in one way or another is to create life. And that's exactly what Mother Nature does all of the time. So the cycles of life that go through Mother Nature are the same cycles of life that we go through as women. So the fact that is just naturally we are more in touch with that. Um, and we have this deep intuitive nature to us um, that's be really been lost. And that, that comes from living in a very masculine based world. And I think we really need to recognise that. And we can, we can come back to more of the feminine flow now. We can allow a bit more of that back in. Um, and I think, you know, even hearing you say there that you're you're so happy to be past all of that. Yep. It doesn't have to be that way anymore, even in, the terms of, in terms of how we're living in the world. We have started to create change in terms of how we're working in the world and how we're showing up. You know, yeah. seeing Spain introduce days off for yeah. periods. Yeah. Um, we're we're reaching different different places in society all of the time, so it's going to be a very different world for future generations. To would come, you, would you support that time. idea, um, Jen, of of governments or companies or whatever um, allowing women time out if they need time out once a month? Yeah, I do for the very simple reason that why if you can have somebody who's working effectively, um, you know. 20 days out of the month instead of trying to make them work 30 days out of the month where 10 of those days they are not feeling very well a lot more unproductive like from a business sense alone it actually makes a lot more sense to have them working less days but more productive days Um, giving them the time off to rest and recuperate when they actually need it can be a lot more beneficial in the long run that's taking a very masculine approach to it I would come from a much more like feminine view but you know that's that's the logical side of it. Yeah, that's really interesting because I know as you're talking, there's probably feminist heads falling off all over the place going, but this is what we fought for. We fought to be equal to men. But I mean, I tend to agree with you that we have fought and have achieved to a certain extent. We still have quite a way Mm -hmm. to go. Equality with men in a world that was developed for men by men and that doesn't take into account what women need. And what we need to do is to change the world so that it can accommodate us better, not change ourselves. Would that be correct? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, why should we suffer and be in pain and feel miserable for a certain amount of days a month just to try and fit in with keep the up with the lads of society? Yeah, because that's not any that's not equality. Hmm? That's, that's true, and, and that, that's what we fought for was, as you said, to be equal in a masculine based world. Yeah. What we want is equality based on who we are as people and how we flow through life and what we need in that particular moment. Men don't need that down that downtime every month. They yeah. don't have a cycle. They don't have a bleed. Women do. And if you're saying that you don't need it, I actually think you're just not in touch with your cycle and you're not being true to yourself. Interesting. So, Did, did you ever read the book The Red Tent by I, Anne Diamond, I think is the name of the, the writer? I actually haven't read that one. It's on my list of things. You will... <laughs> 
absolutely love that book and I would recommend any women out there go to your library and get The Red Tent because I mean it's a novel and it's about uh, Joseph and his amazing technical or Dreamcoat's dad and all his wives but but <laughs> that's kind of like a really bad synopsis but I mean one of the points that it makes in that and this is something that still happens in some tribes in various parts of the world where when women uh, get their period they go into what's known as the Red Tent um, and these were these were tribal uh, people and they were um, you know the people what the word for them that move with their animals and uh, nomadic peoples so these women all live together and as still happens women who live together very often the cycles will sync up so everybody will be mm-hmm. bleeding at the same time um, and they used to go to the red tent and you know the red tent was where they minded each other they sort they you know brushed each other's hair they were nice to each other and they didn't have to do any work like Hello? (laughs) How bad is that? (laughs) I think think it was also recognised back then, the power that women actually had during their bleeds. Like, we are most in touch with ourselves and most in touch with our intuition in our bleeds. So especially if we're coming from a spiritual sense, um, when, you know, they would have looked to women to kind of be the guidance for them going forward, like if we're going way back in the day. Um, It was revered. It was, you know, we were put on a pedestal when we were bleeding because actually this is when we were at our widest. So um, we want this back. Very differently. Yeah. But, (laughs) you know, in a modern way, because at the end of the day, I don't think any of us can really disappear into a red tent once every month unless we're living in a very specific way. I don't know. I Um, think we should aspire to that. Imagine if there was a red tent, (laughs) you know, every community that you could all go and hang out with the girls, drink wine, have your hair done, not do any housework, be deadly. Well, yeah, I don't know about the drinking wine part all of the time. Oh. That might get a little bit old after a while, but like... Yeah, once a month? Really being ready to do. <laughs> I don't know, I think we could do that. Anyway, look, come back to, to, to what you were saying. I mean, you said it, we don't have to be medicating ourselves in order to um, to, to feel better uh, during our period. So what are the kinds of things that you advocate that women should do in order to feel better during their period? And how long does that process take? Like, realistically, if you're talking about healing the body naturally in any way, and this is when most people give up, you need to be giving yourself at least three months of of kind of lead. And now you will notice symptom differences before that, but it takes time to heal. Yes. Um, It takes time to change things. Um, So, you know, changing the diet, changing the lifestyle, really working with the stages of your cycle in terms of your lifestyle, even with movement, for example. And there'll be certain times of your cycle where you'll definitely have a lot more energy. And that's when you might go to the gym and do different like workouts, like running and things like that. Other times you're just talking about yoga or some gentle movement like walking or maybe even a swim. You want to really look after your body throughout all of the processes and kind of what's coming up for you. And then in terms of actual pain relief, um, you know, some like things that everybody does anyway, things like hot water bottles, things like that. Um, really nice cups of herbal tea can help and um, there's some beautiful different ones on the market that have great blends out and even just down to like one of the things that I love doing myself is if I am having cramps and different things coming up I will just do a little bit of voice work so I actually do some humming and that really helps you're actually like relieving the pain through creating vibration through your throat and releasing it out from the body. 
Excellent. Yeah, I yeah, I mean I think there's a lot in that. And I mean three months, it's not that long really over your lifetime if you can learn to work with your body as opposed to you say as you say, as opposed to working against it. Um a question out of left field. Do you have um do you also work with women be, um who are going through menopause and finding that quite difficult? Does the same kind of thing um apply to women experiencing a difficult menopause? Absolutely. Um, I mean, what I would work with women on now is sort of menopause prep, as I like to call it, call it, because that starts much earlier. Yeah. If you are in tune with your cycle earlier, if you're working with your body, if you're having a really healthy um, cycle every month, that is going to play a lot into the type of menopause experience you're going to have later in life. If somebody's already at that point, there are amazing women around Ireland who, you know, I was lucky enough to train with over the course of um, the years doing different holistic trainings who offer holistic help and support for menopause. And I would definitely say get on board with it. Sometimes it's not enough to help at the point that you're already at in terms of you won't get the full benefits as if you had started a couple of years earlier, but you can actually still do a lot to support yourself during that time. Um, It's not something that I particularly focus on just because know your strengths and it's like I know about it but I actually think there's women out there who are going through it or have gone through it who will be able to support you a lot better in that particular phase. And the kind of holistic therapies that you think would work in both cases uh, would they include things like like um, um, reflexology and Reiki and is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, so like, for example, I've created my own womb therapy um, and that's what I offer to clients and that can have anything. So it's working with basically whatever's going on for the client. So we will look at diet, we will look at lifestyle and all of the kind of physical aspects of things that are going on. And then we start to move into the more energetic aspects of things as well. So we would use different techniques like energy healing, breath work, EFT, which is um, tapping. Um, We might use voice work, like I've already kind of spoken about. Um, And sometimes massage, like the womb space massage and different kind of sort of physical manipulations. Um, And then we also have the kind of empowerment side of it. So my goal is for every woman who works with me to come away more educated about their body and what way it works and how to support themselves, but also to feel empowered. And I think a lot of what goes on, like, you know, I would have people come into me, especially for fertility and different things. A lot of what goes on is that they're given by other specialists just this like checkbox list of things to do with absolutely no support and ongoing with this. That's very different from what I offer. So I'm always there as a long-term coach and support for women, empowering them to actually make these changes in their lives. And that is where you see the biggest difference when you have somebody on board with you and actually helping you and kind of holding your hand and giving you the emotional support along the way. It helps you to really create that long-term change in your life. Excellent, excellent. As somebody who has experienced Reiki myself, I have to say I do think it's uh, even just the fact that you're taking an hour out to lie on a table and just to close your eyes and relax, you know, um, is, is really beneficial. And one of the downsides I think of, of of us kind of moving further along the road to supposed equality in a patriarchy is that women's lives are so busy we don't give each, we don't give ourselves enough time um, yeah. to, to look after ourselves we look after everybody else first Jen it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you if people want to know more um, where's the best place to find you is it through your Instagram account or 
Instagram, yeah. So that's where I hang out mostly. So it's jenkavanagh.ie. Yeah, the best people hang out a lot on Instagram. Yeah, that's cool. So if people want more information, want to get in contact with you, um, that is the best place to find you. That's on Instagram at jenkavanagh.ie. Jen, thank you so much. Really enjoyed that. That was uh, uh, really great. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. And you're welcome back to Late Lunch with me, Barbara Scully. Right, we've more goodies to to give away. Um, Yesterday we gave away uh, some tickets, uh, three pairs of tickets, and I have another three pairs of tickets to give away for Bellustown races. The Bellustown races take, the September festival takes place next Wednesday and Thursday. That's the 28th and 29th of September on the hill at Crocofather in County Meath. And today we're giving away three pairs of tickets for the Thursday. That's Thursday, September 29th. So if you want to be in with a chance of winning one of these three pairs of tickets you need to get in touch with us by texting the word Bellustown along with your name and location either text or WhatsApp to 086 1-800-658 and if you want to check out more information about the races uh, fire over to bellystownraces.ie all of the information and how to buy tickets etc etc you will find there so good luck to you on that. Um, I can see also you're all still texting in for the Don McLean tickets so we'll have a winner on that a little bit later on so keep keep those texts coming in for Don McLean as well. Uh, one of the other things um, that uh, certainly if you're on social media you'll have probably uh, heard about this but it was all it's also now made the mainstream media it's been in the papers was what happened in the O'Driscoll household yesterday. We're talking about Bod, le- rugby legend Brian O'Driscoll who was uh, obviously sent off to collect his dog from the groomers who'd been in for a wash and a cut and a blow dry and Bod went and uh, dutifully collected his dog and came home to his lovely wife Amy Huberman and this is what Amy Huberman subsequently posted on her social media account I think this was on Instagram she said Brian going to the groomers to collect the dog and takes home the wrong dog he thought perhaps she'd needed a serious groom and had taken off the darker fluff like this dog clearly had a different colour face than the one that Brian and Amy left in. Off they skipped. She said he definitely needs a top up on the old laser eye surgery. She thanked the groomers for being so understanding for them having temporarily kidnapped the wrong dog um, and she hoped that the wrong dog enjoyed his 48 seconds in, in her gaff before he went home. She also said that she thinks she'll collect the kids from school this week because I'm not sure I'll ask him to give me a lift home from the hairdressers next time either in case he heads off with somebody else's wife. <laughs> Which I thought was great. But you know what? A quick Google search uh, made me realise that uh, Brian isn't unusual. It seems that quite a few dogs, now I'm talking internationally, I'm not talking uh, necessarily uh, right here in Ireland, but quite a few times people have gone and collected the wrong dog from the groomers. What is interesting is that in in most cases, those people tended to be men. So, men, what are you doing? How can you not recognise your own dog? Um, I, I, like, I, this really uh, takes the biscuit. What's going on? Has your husband or your partner or your dad ever gone and collected the wrong animal, um, particularly a dog from the groomers? But the best story about all this, and actually it doesn't feature a man, it actually features a woman and it came from the United States. I think it was early this year, I think it was during the summer. A woman in the United States actually lived with the wrong dog for four whole months before the mistake was discovered. Now, She did think that her dog was acting a wee bit weird, but she put it down to the stress of going to the groomers because anybody who has a dog knows that in most cases, dogs aren't that keen on going to the groomers. So she thought maybe he was a bit stressed. Um, 
she did say that the dog wouldn't interact with people he should have known, that he only really kind of interacted with her. But she thought he was, as I say, traumatised from being at the groomers. Four months later, four months, four months later, she gets a call from the groomer because another family was experiencing exactly the same thing with their dog following a grooming. And then they realised that they had each taken each other's dogs home. But get this, it turns out then when they investigated it, that these dogs were actually brothers. So I guess, you know, they obviously looked very alike. They actually came from the exact same litter. So, uh, but anyway, um, I'd say Brian O'Driscoll will be uh, living that down now for quite a while, coming home with the wrong dog. Right. OK, time, I think, for another song. This is Yellow Taxi by Counting Crows. And welcome back to Late Lunch. Barbara Scully here with you. Now, um, you can take the lad from Navin, clearly, but uh, you can't ever take Navin from the lad. Former James Bond actor and Navin native Pierce Brosnan has joined an appeal to onboard Planola against a plan by a local abattoir which would allow them to dump treated wastewater into the River Boyne. To tell us more about this new development, I'm joined now on the line by Bobby McCormack from the Save the Boyne campaign. Hello, Bobby. How are you? Good afternoon. How's things? Good to talk to you. Listen, just in case people are unaware, can you fill us in briefly on the story, on this story so far? Sure. So just to give a brief background, so Don Neats have applied uh, to put a pipeline going from their plant out towards Slane into the River Boyne to put in 400,000 litres of wastewater on a daily basis. So that um, permission was granted by Mead County Council and now it's with on board Planola and a, a number of appellants, 11 of which I'm one of, have appealed that decision to on board Planola and that's where 007 comes in. <laughs> he is on our side. <laughs> and you're waiting for board Planola's decision at this stage. Is it imminent, do you think? Well, we've got a award from Board Planola. It was due this week, but unfortunately, due to what they have said is a backlog of cases, I would think it's a bit more complex than that. There's a lot at play in relation to this decision. Right. So we've been given indication that the decision won't be made until early December, which we ourselves are a little bit disappointed by because we think it's a far more straightforward case. Mm. However, they have given us that indication, so we look forward to engaging more with the powers that be to try and, and see if there's a way that we can overturn the decision by Mead County Council. So some of those appealing the permissions included the Save the Boyne uh, group yourselves, the Inland Fisheries Ireland, the National Ecology Centre, local kayaking club. But that has all been now eclipsed really by your latest recruit to your campaign. Tell us how did you get James Bond involved? Well, absolutely. I mean, who would have thought that Veronica Brady could have just reached out to a 007 agent? All of the movies, if they had have had Veronica involved, they could have gotten in touch with them far easier. Look, you know, Save the Boyne is made up of many informed and motivated citizens, and Veronica, as part of her action, reached out to lots of celebrities. But, of course, Pierce, you know, thought it, that it was really important for him to respond, and, and what a video he put together. And I think it really resonated for a couple of reasons not just because of his fame, but also because he is a resident, former resident of the local area. So he has an attachment to the Boyne, as many of us do. So, But what a wonderful lift for those campaigning to see someone as famous and as influential as Pierce join the call to, to overturn the decision. So it was a real morale boost for your group to feel that he has now lent his voice to yours. Tell us a little bit about, about uh, what he said, um, because he was quite persuasive and he, he, he referenced the fact that he grew up on the river, on the banks of the River Boyne, where it meets the Blackwater. Is that the Blackwater that goes all the way down to Cork? 
Indeed. Well, I mean, there's different black waters around oh. the country. Unfortunately, we can get confused with them. But but certainly the one that joins the Boyne is the one that Pierce was referring to. And I suppose he echoed the sentiment that a lot of people would have about the Boyne. It's a very special river in, in terms of mythology, in terms of history, but also in terms of what it gives the citizens of the people of this area. And I don't think, you know, it's, it's not to be forgotten what the Boyne offers us. And, and I suppose he was echoing that. He was basically, you know, expressing the need for us to, to, to treat it as a treasure of what it is and, and not to kind of like take it for granted and to treat it with care and attention, not to be really treating it as a receptacle of, of wastewater treatment. And, and I think that that's the view that the Save the Boyne group would have, that we need to get past this idea of treating the water as, as a place where we just put our waste. It's it's much more important than that. And, and I think he put it far more eloquently, but I, I think given his history with the area, it resonated, and I think that's important. Yeah, he also mentioned, actually, that 70,000 people get their drinking water from the River Boyne. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an important resource in lots of different ways. Indeed, and, and this, again, can be a blind spot for many. You know, so many people rely on the Boyne for things like drinking water. Yeah. And that's a basic, and that we need to not take these things for granted. And, of course, there is licensing attached to this and there is safety measures attached to this but however these things can go wrong and if they go wrong how long would it be before we would know that they went wrong and what might that look like from a health perspective or an environmental perspective I mean even in the summer just gone the water levels were so low in the Boyne that the, the capacity of the Boyne to carry this extra wastewater maybe in, in times where there's lots of water arguably it could be there but in terms where there's very little or no water when climate change is affecting us much more. We need to plan much more for the long term. And this recent decision by Mead County Council was very short term. Mm -hmm. We need a more holistic approach. There are also several um, tourist attractions on the River Boyne as well, including Newgrange um, and Slane Castle. And of course, obviously, then, as you said, the mythical kind of Battle of the Boyne and the tourist uh, centre around that. Do you think they would all be negatively affected as well? Well, that's what we're arguing, that I hope in years to come that we don't be painting murals of the, the Great Boyne Valley area with pipes just going into the river. Mm. I mean, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at really kind of using the Boyne as a way that, it, you know, wasn't. it's not there for that. It's not there to mm. facilitate private companies and their treatment of waste. Now, I mean, of, there's other better ways of dealing with waste, far more environmental ways, you know. Yeah, I mean, of course, John Meads, um, we should say, say that their plans will be in keeping with the best practice in environmental standards and that they will exceed not only meet, exceed all required standards uh, that are set by the Environmental Protection Agency. But obviously what you're worried about is if things go wrong and if there's an accident or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the best of times, things do go wrong. And that's not because somebody's, you know, making huge mistakes, but these things can happen. Sure. But when something of this scale goes wrong, yeah. but, but also just to mention as well is that like lots of studies have been done by different entities. And, and of course, the one that Don Meats would re- reference is one particular study. But of course, there's many others. And what sure. we've been saying to Ambor Planola is look at these other studies, look at this other set of evidence. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's for them to weigh up and for them to consider. But we really do believe from an evidential point of view, this was the wrong decision by Mead County Council. Well, we shall, John Meats would think otherwise. Well, we shall stay in touch with you and we shall uh, watch how this all uh, plays out. Bobby, thank you for giving us your time today. Um, well thank done. You. Thank you. 
Right, staying now with the beautiful River Boyne, I am now joined on the line by James from the Boyne Valley Activities and they are going to be delivering a special Blue Way Celebration Day specifically for adults over 50 years of age on this Saturday the 24th of September. Hi James, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Afternoon, no problem at all. No problem at all. Excellent. Listen, tell us first of all, I know you're delivering two sessions on the day. Are they both the same? Are both sessions basically the same, just at different times? So what we're going to try, so there's one at 10am and there's one at at 2pm. The first one we're going to try just to let let people come and uh, what we call a dabbling session. Ah. Come and have a look and see what's here. Right. Um, You know, because a lot of people haven't kayaked before. Uh, they don't know what's involved, what they need to do. So we would on site here at the trailhead of the Boeing Blue Way. Uh, we, were, we were planning on, on the, the morning session to take out, you know, kayaks, sit on top kayaks, open canoes, uh, stand up paddle boards, just give people a feel of what crafts are available to use on the Blue Way. Um, and then in that session, maybe take a little bit of a small trip down, down, the, down the, the, the first stretch of it. Fabulous. Uh, but it's more to get people, in, uh, to, get people to know what's there. Uh, right. and what they're able to use. So it's like, the second one, yep. we were going to uh, the two o'clock session. We were going to try and just get participants to come in, uh, have a quick introduction, quick chat about uh, the safety aspect of it and what they need to know, and then get on the Blue Way and just take the trip down and, and literally celebrate the, the route that we have here. Ex- Excellent. So the first session is like a test drive where you can test out the bits and pieces and see what's what. It is, and but you still will get a you still will get on the water, and you st- we get you into gear, we get you into all the equipment, uh, and you still take a spin down the river. It just might not be, you know, you're going to be in everything on the morning session. Yes, I you're see. Going to try everything out. Uh, whereas on the afternoon, you're getting into a sit on top kayak, and you're heading off down, and you're going to you're going to cover that route itself. Okay, I have a couple of questions for you, which are based from bitter experience, um, because I am sixty, and I am very tall, and I am also not particularly slim. And a couple of years ago, I was on holidays, and my daughters decided we should all go out kayaking um, and I was trying not to be sticking the mud old mom going do you know what you go I don't want to go I'm grand because I had a vision of myself on a kayak as being similar to ha- being putting an elephant on an ironing board and I thought yeah. this isn't probably <laughs> going to look great and it's not going to be great and it's not for me anyway long story short uh, I went out on the kayak um, and it was honestly one of the most magical beautiful experiences of my life it was just we went out and we saw seals and wildlife and it was just Beautiful. And I very nearly missed that uh, because I thought, number one, I'm too old and number two, I'm too fat. So let me ask you the questions that bothered me before I did that. And number one, is it hard? We've all seen the videos online of people trying to get into canoes and they end up in the water. So is it hard to get into a canoe or is it easier to get into a sit upon kayak or are they all difficult or how does that work? And I'm glad you brought this up because this is a huge issue with with us, even from a business point of view. Okay, Basically, people... When you mention coming kayak and people are going to tell you about it, uh, as you pointed on there earlier on, like a, a near-death experience in the kayak where they got, they got caught upside down, they couldn't get out of it, they couldn't, they couldn't get away from the kayak, they couldn't get the kayak to go in a straight line, uh, and it saved them for life. Yeah. And every phone call we get, uh, these questions come up to us the whole time. Yeah. So the, the main issue you have here, the main difference nowadays, that the conventional sit-in kayak that you would originally yes. have been in years ago, you're sitting in it. It has a cockpit in it. You're sitting in and you're essentially strapped into the boat and it has a flat bottom. Right. It's very hard for that, bo- for that boat to go in a straight line unless you've done a course with the likes of ourselves or Canoe in Ireland or some of the local canoe clubs, okay? Yeah. So obviously you're coming out on the day with your family so you're not going to go and do a course. So what's happening now is 
well, all the local providers, all, most providers around the country have what we call a sit-on-top kayak, okay? Yeah. These are fantastic. They, these are the most user-friendly uh, boats you can Because ever your get. legs aren't stuck in under. You're sitting exactly. literally on top you're of sitting it. On it. You're sitting on it like a surfboard. It has, okay. it's, it's an area for your bum to sit back into on the back of your legs. Yeah, I think uh, that's... And two things. And yeah. it has a centre keel. So that's the first thing. The boats right. are quite wide. They're wider than the standards sit in. So fit big, big arses are no problem. Absolutely no problem. We drive <laughs> on it. No problem at all. So Brilliant. basically, we get you and your big ass into the boat, <laughs> sitting on top of it. It'll go nice and straight down the river because it has a centre keel. Okay. okay. This is where the issue always has been. If you're on the conventional boat, you'd be going around in a circle. Okay. So a typical blue way route here is eight and a half kilometres. You'll have no problem going in a straight, straight line. Straight line. Okay, the next question I need to ask, because I'm conscious of the time now. Do you need to wear a wetsuit for this crack? Uh, we would prefer at this time, once things are changing, as we're running through the, the summer, you don't really need to have to. You have to wear a point aid and a helmet by law. Yes. Okay? Uh, but uh, as temperatures start to drop and water temperatures drop, we will, we will you'll have a wetsuit, but we have everything here. Right. We'll fit anybody from seven seven years of age to 70 years of age from from a child, uh, you know, a couple of stone up to, we, we put 20 stone people on these boats. There, there is no go. problem here. And don't be conscious of it. Um, we're all going to get wet. We're all going to fall into the river and we're all going to have a bit of crack. Yeah, yeah. That is you know. so, that's such a, a great message. And just tell me very briefly, what are the, because the thing that struck me when I was in the kayak was that your view of the world is totally different because you're right down on the water. It's almost like swimming. You know, you're right down you on the a, water. You have a completely different perspective. Yeah, you do. Thousands of people literally down here all summer and every single one of them will say exactly what you just asked there. The perspective, even local people in the town that would take the the local walks around the area, once you're sitting on the water and looking out, yeah, it's completely different. And, and what, you have that motion of floating. And the, and the wildlife, would there be much wildlife on the river at this time of year now? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the point is a special area of conservation. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got otters, we've got kingfisher, oh. we've got heron, we've got buzzards, uh, so anyone wow. that works along the boy will tell you all of this. Do you know what I mean? Like any fishermen, any of the local clubs, it's all the same. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's and it is. It, we have to manage it. I mean, as regards the blue way, me county council are running it. Uh, yeah. It's led with a. It has a steering group that's led by ourselves with Canoe in Ireland yeah. off the public works. Uh, me local okay. works partnership. You know, so there's a lot of agencies involved. Brilliant. Here that are trying to keep everything right. Okay. It, it, it works well for everybody. Great, James. That all sounds brilliant. Where do people get more information? Okay, so if you want to come to us on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, just you just want to meet You're a star. Listen, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, James. No problem at all. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Bye bye. Right, so we have some winners to uh, announce. First of all, the winners of the pairs of tickets for Town races. A pair of tickets for you, Geraldine Smith in Dunlear. Another pair of tickets for you, Eileen Murphy in Drogheda. And the third pair of tickets are going to Angela Sheridan in Town. Now, we were also running uh, the ticket, the competition uh, giveaway for the tickets to Don McLean and uh, the winner of today's pair of tickets to the Don McLean concert is David Clark in Drogheda. And staying on that theme, now it's time for this. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. 
And this week's Artist of the Week, uh, you'll know, is uh, Don McLean. Um, And the song uh, today is Crying. Today's song was actually written by Roy Orbison and Joy Melson for Orbison's third album. It was released in 1961, where it went to number two in America for Roy Orbison. However, in 1980, it was covered by Don McLean and his version went to number one in the UK. Orbison then record, re-recorded the song as a duet, duet with K.D. Lang in 1987 and that collaboration won a Grammy Award because it was used in the soundtrack of the movie Hiding Out and it won a Grammy Award for Best Country Collaboration. In 2002, Crying was honoured with a Grammy Hall of Fame Award and in 2010, Rolling Stone ranked it 69th on their list of 500 greatest songs of all times. Not, I have to be honest, one of my favourites, but it might be one of yours. This is Crying. Now, the Ophiac Institute is located in Dundalk and is a further education college with over 700 students studying PLC and pre-university courses. To hear more about what is on offer, I'm joined now on the line by Connor Rafferty, who is the Deputy Principal. Hello, Connor. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Hi, Barbara. Thanks very much for inviting me on to your show today to discuss all things of Fee Institute. Exactly. All of the PLC courses we have on offer, so it's much appreciated. No worries. Listen, you better start by telling us what exactly is a PLC course. Well, PLC stands for Post-Leaving Certificate. So it is a one-year course that is accredited by QQI at Level 5 and Level 6 on the National Framework for Qualification. So, Barbara, we have over 50 courses on offer in Ophie that people can apply for. For example, pre-university courses, um, engineering and science, pre-apprenticeship skills, art and media, business, sport and beauty. And that's just to cover a few of them. Excellent. Okay. So would this course, but this course wouldn't necessarily be a a link between leaving cert and uh, going into university, would it? In some some instances, these are courses in their own right that get finished with a qualification. They're courses in their own right, but they're absolutely linked in the fact that there's clear progression pathways. So, um, you know, a number of our courses are directly linked gaining employment, but also to progressing into university as well. So a large cohort of our students would be leaving our students who would come and do the one-year course with the aim of progressing on to university then. Oh, okay. And how does that fit then with the CAO? Are these, are these students who are just going to, uh, do they get an added um, number of points from a PLC? I hope this isn't a stupid question. An, an added no, no. number of points from a PLC course? Yeah, so they do, yeah. So a, ah. a, a PLC course, um, I suppose, gets you the equivalent of 390 points in the CEO. Ah. But that's one way of progressing on to university. So there's lots of other benefits to a PLC course in relation to um, all the universities have a certain quota where they um, have specific places held for PLC um, students. So so what happens is universities and ITs reserve a large number of places for PLC students. The places are offered to PLC students at CAO round zero. So to give you an idea, round zero offers went out on the 5th of August this year. Yes. And round one offers for leaving cert students went out on the 8th of September. So this gives PLC students a head start in relation to you know, getting prepared for university, such as accessing accommodation. Sure. You know, I know there's, a huge, there's a huge problem at the minute with accessing accommodation, and um, particularly in Dublin. So our, our students who would have got their round zero offers in the middle of 
um, the middle of the summer holidays there would have already sort of gained, uh, you know, have their accommodation that sorted out. Yeah, okay. So a lot of the majority of our students did receive round zero offers and they secured their first choice in universities such as Trinity College, DCU, UCD, Minute, TUD, and many more in Ireland and UK and across Europe as well. So, for example, in the last last number of years, we would have had art students who um, progressed to university in Paris. We had physio students who progressed to university in the Netherlands. Right. And last year, we had an occupational therapist student who progressed to university in Cardiff. So, it's Excellent. fantastic to see such... Um, progression and it's great that we, lo- we love to celebrate that success as well but as and well I suppose it's also, it's also great to see such a progressive minister and Simon Harris that you know he is ensuring that um, those who do a PLC course have greater access, have access. to higher education you know? and does this include mature students as well can they also apply for PLC courses if somebody wants to yeah, go back to education absolutely yeah um, mature students um, students going back to education um, leaving cert students you know we, we, we're, um, we're, we're anyone really can apply for a PLC course excellent and how much are the fees then for a PLC course so now that you mentioned fees, uh, this is probably the best time to do a, fee, a PLC course in no a free institute. So our fees this year have reduced. Oh. So all of our courses are now €200. Euro. So just to give you an idea. Is that for um, the year? That's for the full year. Wow. Yeah. So okay. for example, our beauty course last year was €650 euro and is now only €200. Euro, and that includes the purchase of their beauty kits and all their other equipment. Wow, and is that because there's, there's a greater subsidy coming from government that allows you to do that? Yeah, absolutely. That's Very part good. of it as well. It's no wonder you like Simon Harris. <laughs> <laughs> That's he is, he's, he's done fantastic work now for, for further education in general, so it's, it's great to see. And are there grants and supports available to students then as well if they should need it? Yeah, um, so in relation to grants, there's, there's, there's quite a few grants available, such as the Susie Grant, and um, the Back to Education Allowance, Disability Allowance. And for Ukrainian students in particular, there's a new bursary to assist them financially to attend college. That's fantastic. So in, yeah, it is. It's fantastic in, in relation to getting them to accessing in, into, into a further education course. Um, in relation to supports that we have an offer and a fee, you know, we have our guidance counsellors, our PAs, who are personal assistants to students with learning right. needs. And we also offer academic supports to any student who may need us. Listen... Um, it, it, that has been an absolute education, Connor, because I've never really un- understood what a PLC course was now. So that that's yeah. really terrific. And I presume people can get in contact with the Ophiac Institute if they need to have more information. Because yeah, for- absolutely. Yeah. So if, if students are thinking of applying um, yeah. or, or, you know, particularly those students, leaving their students yeah. who didn't get the first choice um, in round one or round two, you know, it's important yeah. that our applications are still open. So apply now at www.ofi.ie. Fantastic. Well done. Message delivered. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Brilliant. That was uh, that was uh, Connor Rafferty, Deputy Principal of the Ophi Institute. And that is our lot for today. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to my producer, Louise, who keeps me sane and on time and online and all the rest of it. Don't go away. Eddie is coming up next. Uh, we're leaving you today with Dermot Kennedy. We'll talk to you again same time tomorrow. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087 237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs.
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.